0: Hello everyone, this is Asia from The Right Creed and today on our show we have Hina Salehi from New York and she was on the last regular flight out from Kabul on August 15th before the Taliban took over the city the next day and we saw those frantic scenes at the airport where everybody was trying to get out so in this particular episode, uh, Hina, who is a lawyer and used to work with uh, the Afghan government, uh, she is going to talk about uh, how she left Kabul because she was on the flight when the Taliban took over. So uh, what what exactly went in her mind while, while she heard that news he trickling in? Uh, through social media and what are the prospects of uh, women under the Taliban regime now and her plea to not recognize the taliban government so uh Hina, can you just start with like just giving a slight introduction about what you used to do in kabul i mean what were you working as exactly hi isha and hello everyone um thank you isha,
1: for having me on your podcast uh this is Hina Salehi. i am as isha mentioned i'm a, a lawyer i have been a commercial lawyer in afghanistan um for almost uh, around five years, but um, on 2019, end of 2019, I, I've joined the government uh, in one of the closest offices to um, President Ghani, legal unit of President Ghani, I have joined as a legal um, expert. and. Um, Then it went on for two years where I got promoted to certain positions. My last position with Afghan government was uh, the director of procurement policy and law uh, for National Procurement Authority of Afghanistan.
0: Okay, so what exactly was the job role? I mean, you know, if you can like decode it for somebody who doesn't, no legal jargon, yes. <laughs> can, you, so, can you just explain it in like simple words? What does the, na- what is the yes. national procurement policy basically?
1: Yes, policy? yes, sure, of course. So, uh, we have this uh, under Afghan government structure, we had this national procurement authority which was established around seven years ago, which was actually like the main center for the whole procurement. Uh, Affairs of Afghan government. Mm-hmm. We had a centralized procurement system for whatever the procurement needs of Afghan government would be, okay. and um, this was uh, um, as as the mandate can give you a picture. It was a, a big office. We um, where we had a. Uh, um a, a setup or a structure just similar to ministries government ministries and there was a proper hierarchy so under the setup and structure there was the lead the main lead or the director general then there were deputies and then there were directors which each director was leading um di- one of the directorates my under my directorate um, as the name may may say um we were dealing with uh the whole legal and policy framework of Afghan uh, of procurement system which means we were establishing or giving or like a kind of um designing the whole f- legal framework, legislative documents, and the policy uh, level decisions and frameworks for um, over 70 uh, procuring authorities and ministries of Afghan government and for national procurement authority itself. Um, we had a team of over 25 people under this Directorate trade with four dip- dip- different departments or four different divisions. And how many women were a part
0: of that team?
1: Particularly in my team, it might have been when five women uh, in different uh levels of course but in the national procurement authority we had a, um a, because we i i remember this this number exactly because we were doing these research and putting together policies uh so we had a eight percent um woman involvement in national procurement authority um which was unfortunately uh, in the it, it wasn't really uh, in the decision making levels or in the directorate levels. Um, and when I joined, there was only one other woman in the director level,
0: so we were working on that. You must have grown up a, a bit under the last Taliban regime, right? Like, uh, were you how how old were you when in 2001, if I may ask?
1: Because I think Taliban came on 1995 or 1996, something in that, yeah, um, yeah. uh, date, yeah. And I, I was born on. 1995, so, okay. dealing, so you were like about uh, 5
0: or 6 years old when the first regime was around
1: yes, right? when the, the Taliban regime collapsed and Kazai regime came so I don't remember much from Taliban regime, the only thing I remember is that um, just before my uh, I was born my uh, my parents had to immigrate to Pakistan uh, because it was the national wars go- going on among warlords and um, i i remember being a immigrant because of warlords in Pak and, and, and uh, Taliban majorly uh, I asked one of the members just some scenes of one of the vacations type of one of the trips we had to Kabul during Taliban era, um, and my mom wearing that burqa. Um, I remember because me and my uh, brother were so young, and that was the first time we were seeing such a thing. Uh, so we were so scared and we were run- running away from our own mom, okay. uh, because
0: uh, yeah, th- those are just just some blur scenes that I remember from that era. So, which part of Pakistan uh, were you in? I mean, was it Peshawar or was it, else it in Pakistan? It was Peshawar. It was, it was Peshawar. Peshawar. So you lived as refugees in Pakistan, basically. You have a refugee Afghan card, like most Pakistan, most Afghan refugees in Pakistan had enough have yeah. enough gun gone- So That's-
1: most of my most of my um, childhood uh hold and even teenage years I have lived in Pakistan as a refugee. Uh but we we didn't hold uh refugee card because I particularly remember that when when in the initial years of uh, uh, Taliban um, Afghanis uh, immigrating to to Pakistan the rules weren't really strict so it wasn't really a mandatory uh, uh, to to have a refugee card but then in the it was some, somewhere around 2008, 2009, somewhere, or 2007. In those years, uh, the Pakistan government decided to, decided to make uh, this a mandatory rule to have a refugee card. And there were particular offices established to, to, to distribute the refugee cards as soon as possible. Uh, and uh, the, the Pakistani police were actually uh, kind of bordering refugees if they wouldn't have the, the that card okay. so okay. one of the um, reasons that of course we were always planning to um, return to the country but uh, uh, something uh, a reason which kind of expedited our return to Afghanistan was this one because my mom and dad didn't want to hold a refugee card from Pakistan and that's that's how they decided Um, Because they they were waiting for my my school, high school to be finished and I was in my um, 11th grade and uh, when these things got a peak and they they couldn't stay in Pakistan anymore so they decided to leave as
0: soon as possible even before I, I could finish the high school there. So you completed your high school in Kabul, in Afghanistan? Uh, yes,
1: I completed my high school in
0: Afghanistan. Okay, so you basically have seen uh, been in Afghanistan while it was under American occupation, if I could say so, I mean, uh, post uh, post 2001, after the wars and stuff. So you've essentially seen a more American, Americanized side of Afghanistan. We can we can put it that way. Um, though uh, the, th- the fact
1: is that, of course, we weren't living here. So as a like when. Uh, you live somewhere, it's totally different. But we were traveling, our families were back home and we were traveling to uh, Kabul frequently. So I have seen some time like the initial years of Kaza government as well. Okay. Uh, plus, when your families are um, somewhere and you you always have a picture of how things go on. But experiencing it as a firsthand thing is totally different so yeah i was like uh i i came to kabul where where uh, at a time when the city was kind of modernized we can say and that uh, dullness of taliban government was kind of removed
0: do you do you think this current uh, uh regime i mean they're not even like a proper regime right now because they're fighting the war up north but uh, but yes. um, Do you think this current regime will be as oppressive as the last one because there's already like so much of uh, social media and there's, you know, uh, and and because they had like a very close relationship with the Al-Qaeda who were obviously very YouTube friendly at one point of time Yes, uh, because they use YouTube as propaganda do you think this this particular regime would be as oppressive as the last one in terms of like uh, what would be accessible to people and what people can watch or what people can listen to or what people can do or is it going to be a bit more liberal because of the how prolific social media is in the country and how yes. everybody has a cell phone you know, where you can mm-hmm. do things you know? so what do you think about that I mean
1: If you would ask me this question maybe a week ago, 10 days ago, uh, Isha, my answer might be a bit different. My answer would be that I think and uh, I'm guessing that this regime or this group which was for for the moment there uh, in the government level they are going to be as oppressive and as aggressive and as uh, restricting as they were in the 90s. Uh, but that would be an assumption or a, a kind of prediction. But now that you're asking me this uh this uh question at this point uh, that assumption is kind of shifted to the reality because what happened in the last one week um it proved to us how um the group is the same group and even more uh, oppressive because the public is not the same public a public yeah. of 1995 would be uh uh, was was group of people or citizens who were calm, who were already oppressed by the war in the country which was ongoing mm-hmm. uh, for lots of years by warlords and, and and internal war. So they didn't have a picture of their um, their rights. They didn't have an idea of what what uh, rights they were holding. What could they uh, or the, the connection with international uh, with with words which exist uh, beyond afghanistan uh but um and they, they have came uh from a very long poverty which of course affects everything when you live yeah, in poverty yeah. for years and years and the economy is down the first thing which comes to your mind is um food and that's it uh, but the public and citizens that these group, the, the, this Taliban group is facing for the moment these are citizens who have lived in a freedom of speech for 20 years yeah. we must confess that Afghanistan in the last um, 20 years had was in the highest level of freedom of speech given to its citizens comparing to so many countries in the region, including Iran, Pakistan, and in some cases, we can say even India. Yeah. Uh, there was no restriction from government side on the citizens. You could have access to social media easily. You could object any politician starting from the lowest level to the president, any any political party, anyone.
0: Now, that was was a complete democracy, like all the democratic values of freedom, liberty, equality. I mean, they kind of like were all upheld. Okay. And we were doing very well with freedom of speech. Freedom of speech was one
1: of the areas that it was like the, the government was the most responsive government to the media. Now, that respond was really convincing to the media or not that's another side of the story but at least government was there to respond to the media media has freedom of speech and objecting now what taliban has done in the last week is that we have seen incidents where um, the media reporters and journalists were taken by taliban to the police station and beaten for hours and hours to death. we had these uh incidents where the protesters were there was gunshot and firing on the post protesters on on the streets and we had this recent incident that the uh, internet connection was restricted and banned in the certain areas of Kabul imagine capital of the the country so because there it was the national day for um Ahmad Shah Massoud's uh, death ceremony uh, and they were restricting certain a- the internet con- connection totally in certain areas of Kabul because those areas were inhabited maybe more uh, by, by people who were supporters of um, uh, Ahmad Shah Massoud or those were the areas that I think the supporters announced a day before that we will be ca- we, we, we will be um, Taking a rally there, so I couldn't uh, talk to, I couldn't reach my parents for uh, more than 24 hours. I couldn't talk to them and... That, that, that that's that gives us a clear picture of how, how Taliban are
0: dealing with these things. So they are so they are like not doing a complete block. They're like you know blocking on particular days or particular areas when they're when they think that there'll be a bit of a, an uprising on the thing. I mean they could like block Kabul completely out but they're not doing that. Oh. You know I, I think that this is uh,
1: Taliban group does not want to uh, attract any international negative. community attention towards negative things oh, yeah, because yeah. they are in a very critical situation of um uh like everyone's eye the whole world's eyes on taliban that yeah. they will establish a government a government which apparently mo- after two weeks they have announced uh, an incomplete government with acting ministers and um and, and the leader of the government is still not clear. So they are already in a critical situation and in, not, uh, in a not so good situation. The economy of the, the, the country is so clear. The situation of the banks are so clear. So the, the worst thing they can do for themselves at this situation is to attract any attention towards human rights, towards freedom, whether it's a freedom of speech or mm-hmm. any other thing. So they are trying to 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 keep a balance just to uh, to to not uh, get attract any negative uh, negative comments um, uh, or opinions from social community. This
0: time in the protests against the Taliban, the women have been in the forefront of the protests and that essentially has been covered by the international community because those are the pictures that have been coming out and how women have been brutally beaten as well or fired upon, peaceful protesters being fired upon by the 15 or 16 year old gun doting talibanis you know so uh so there is there is a lot of negative attention as well i mean it's not like uh, the international community has not looked into it but there's also this whole uh, deal because it's been essentially supported by the qatari government uh they mm-hmm. do want to have a have some kind of a regime in place to make it more stable and to you know, start off a business, uh, I mean, start off the business activities, the trade activities there, so that there's some money coming into Afghanistan. Uh, but uh, I wanted to ask you, like, what is, uh, with the women protesters, so many images of women protesters being beaten or coming out in front, I mean, you know, coming in front of these uh, people with, uh, you know, heavy machine guns and tags and everything else, Humvees and everything and these women who are like just coming out on the streets and protesting without anything. I mean, what, how, how does it play up in the... Uh, you're, you're in New York now, so do you hear that in the university? Uh, did you hear any kind of discussion about that in the university, about like the protests in Afghanistan or something like that among your peers, among your... in your classrooms or something? Or is there... Uh, is there nothing?
1: Something I was I was thinking uh, because like going around um, in the city, there's life going on every day. Uh, I was just um, today passing by and seeing some kids, uh, girls and boys playing uh, with their families, just and sitting because it was a sunny good day in the neighborhood. I was mm-hmm. just thinking that imagine you you tell a three years old um, girl or the four years old girl that you don't you can't do this thing you can't be doing this thing while in front of her eyes you are allowing her her sibling her brother who, who, who is a boy uh you're allowing him to do certain thing automatically she is gonna have some objection to that thing or some reaction or she's gonna be upset about that thing or it kills some confidence some moral in that even if the way we are raising the new generation of our boys, even if you would say that to 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 a girl, that girl's brother is automatically going to object on on that thing, and he, that that little boy is having a reaction because that's how we are raising them. We are telling them that they are equal. I had I have a, a thirteen years old sibling, um, my younger brother, who in many cases objected to certain things, certain. Uh, those incidents or those words which according to him was unfair being addressed to me and he thought it's 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 putting me in an unequal situation that's how i raised him so if a kid is having that reaction now imagine that a generation is born and raised with so many freedoms they had this freedom of uh going to schools um having in the private private schools we had shared classes for boys and girls who were, there was co education, going to universities, coming out of universities, having the, the freedom of choosing your own field. And there the diversity of Educational fields and academic and, and work areas that were that were coming up in the recent years in Afghanistan. Owning a business, working with the government, working with private sector, traveling internationally with group of men and women, and not caring about any of them, or not not question not being questioned about any of them at any point, or even to the extent of working in the government and private sector in the very high management levels and leadership levels and leading so many men, then suddenly a group comes and tells you that oh you are not allowed to go to your offices you're not allowed to go to your universities you're not allowed to go to your schools stay until we until the next announcement that we decide about your rights and just for your information telling you in advance that No woman is going to be in the minister level, no woman is going to be in the uh, um, leadership level in the government. So just set your mind according to that. Now, imagine being told that if if a three years old girl is going to react, um, isn't a, a 20, 25 years old woman going to react to that?
0: Yes, and I that that that, the, that that has been the biggest uh, change in this particular scenario compared with the last, when nobody really came out and uh, protested when the Taliban came in, because I think that was at the end of like, as you said, decades-long war and then civil war, and so people were exactly it tired. was It was a shift, as I told you earlier,
1: it was a shift from a no rights era to another no rights era. So already people didn't have. Those those set of lights, uh, whatever it was, whether it was for for men and women or whether it was only for women, they shifted to another era. So everyone at that moment, that that stage was hoping that okay, we are hoping that the economic situation will get better. We are hoping that we will have food on our tables for our kids. That was the only thing. But over the past twenty years, there is two other generations from two different decades coming up, and it's it's really I don't think Taliban was ready for that. It's really tough for them. That um, to 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 deal with such situation, I heard a comment on social media from Taliban that uh, they wanted the women to stay home because their fighters are not uh, raised. um, Their fighters are not ready and trained um, to in a way to be able to face women. So for the moment, women are urged to stay at home. Now imagine those those fighters are not even. trained in a way to face a woman and yeah. the only thing which is keeping them calm and down for the moment is as i, I earlier addressed is the international community's attention and the fact that taliban needs the the, the recognition and approval of international community for the moment soon that is done and that's that that recognition is received then then it's it's going to be a worse situation than today for for afghan people
0: yeah and you know, especially, especially, especially the moment. women especially the women i mean for somebody like you who's worked in the government in in afghanistan as a woman i mean if you were back in Kabul right now and I, i'm sure a lot of people must have told you you're very lucky to have left i mean you consider yourself lucky or or everyone. Do, you, uh, do you consider yourself lucky or is it like is it painful being away from home when the folks need you, like uh, when the folks Mm -hmm. need you there. It's as painful to leave as it is to be stuck in a situation where you can't do anything about it. True, true. Uh, So, here's the thing, Nisha.
1: No matter where you go, I think um, your country holds its own place and your heart and your people holds the, the same place. Your family, friends, everyone being back home, it's a tough situation while so many people have told me like trust me every afghan or american that comes across me and hears that i was i came out of uh, afghanistan on august 15th in the last commercial flight they the first thing they tell me oh you were so lucky and there were some points that initially i was questioning how to feel about this thing Shall i be grateful and thankful for what happened to me or like, how can I even allow myself to be grateful for such a thing while I know my family, my colleagues, my friends who I was just, I just met them a uh, few hours ago, a few days ago. They are left behind in that situation. Now, let me tell you the this, this story of... Um, the, that day that uh, I came out from Afghanistan, so I was like my 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 flight was scheduled something two weeks or ten days ago something that I received my my tickets, uh, and the tickets were were booked by a third party. Um, so I received my tickets and I was normally regularly going to office and on the sideline p- preparing for the trip uh so the day comes and of course i was super emotional and till the last day because there were so many uh so like i have built a life there that i i was leaving behind so mm. though i was coming for a good cause there i was coming for an opportunity here but still it was really tough to leave your life behind even for for one or two, two years and this thought wasn't at all in my mind that I won't at some point, it, it, the situation might come that I won't be able to even return. So I boarded the flight normally and then there's a I had a transit to Turkey. So there's a five and a half hour flight from Kabul to Turkey. Huh. Soon I landed to Turkey, landed to Turkey and um, connected to the Wi-Fi of the airport. I received, I was like bombarded by all these messages from family, from friends, from colleagues that... My colleagues went to office that day. And as I told you, we were working, we, we were these closed offices to the president, which means mm. it was in the same, the same surrounding. Mm. And uh, they, all of them, some of them crying, some of them panicking that we are walking to home. It's a tough situation. We are glad you are not here. We are glad you live. The airport is closed. And I was shocked. And I had like only... Um, Thirty minutes something to my next flight, so I just I was just boarding to the next flight, and maximum it was a fifty minutes something that I was receiving messages or communicating. Then I was in a big shock for another nine hours, how to feel what's going on back home, hmm. what's happening, and now I honestly don't don't know um, how to feel about uh, where I am and my situation. I am, I'm of course. very grateful and thankful for, for this because I'm, I'm out and, um, I, I miss on the opportunity that I had of, of pursuing my higher education here, but as well that I can be a voice for others who are stuck but back home and because of their security they can't maybe raise their voice and talk, but I am, I'm not feeling lucky, honestly, because every bit of my plan was that I would be studying for the next one to two years here and I would be returning to my country. Um okay. I had plans for working there I had plans for business there for living my life there for there were there were so many plans that I was thinking I will I will get these specific things out of my masters that I, that will be able that that will enable me to to do better things back home so suddenly you are in a situation that the life you have already built is gone and yeah. the plans you already had is gone as well, there's no possibility for them. And it, it, it's just a numb feeling, you just don't know how to feel about it.
0: Yeah. Um, Do you think the Taliban will become more and more aggressive if the international community does not recognize them? And they might actually start, like they'll already start a bit of a war up north. There might be like a full-blown civil war across Afghanistan if if that happens. So here's the thing Isha, for people
1: who um, know their rights, who are used to living uh, with freedom, for them, it's really tough to live under a government and set of rules the Taliban wants for them. Mm. And it's it's equally tough for, I wouldn't say even it's only tough for women. It's equally tough for women and men, that category of men who are young, youths. Because these youths come from the same background. They have lived wow. a similar life like women in the past 20 years. So it's equally tough and either today or tomorrow these people are gonna feel suffocating uh, under a Taliban regime and they are gonna raise voice hmm. uh, the only thing is that it's, it's gonna be a bit late once Taliban establish a government there and their government is recognized. Internationally, it's going to be late and that that fight for freedom and for your rights is going to be then a longer fight and we will have a longer patch in front of us. So what I believe is this is the right time and this is the best time that um, someone can raise their voice and this is the start of, uh, of get, getting... This is the exact right time to get your your rights and your life back, and I'm I'm glad actually for the North movement and um, fight, which is of course no one is no one is uh, happy for a fight going on we are daily losing our youths there our yeah. sons there our brother, brothers there there's lots of bloodshed and that is not fortunate that's a very unfortunate situation and that is the last thing you would want for your country for your people but the thing is that such fight it's either gonna be today or it's gonna be at some part again okay with the difference that we at that part at that time we would have already lose all of these these rights that we have and uh, we would be gone through lots of uh, restrictions lots of oppression lots of aggressiveness and lots of torture everyone who lived under taliban government In 90s, they know how they want things and they know how they they deal with things. And there's lots of aggression involved in that. So there's lots of blood's going to be shed. And then at some point, the people are going to realize that, oh, we can't live under such a regime and we need to raise our voice. So it's either this way or that way. We are going to reach
0: the same point someday. Okay. So you'd rather have it now than have it like four years or five years down the line after living through hell basically but uh, on that note i would like to end this uh, record it's been wonderful having you Hina. thank you so much thank you thank
1: you so much it was likewise it was wonderful talking to you and thank you for uh for just being there and helping i'm just grateful for all the friends and network i have from all over the world who are coming together um it was nice talking to you and um i would end this uh conversation with uh international uh, a plea to international community uh, for not recognizing taliban government and for holding them accountable for what they are doing thank you yeah thank you bye-bye
0: bye